One, two. Okay, there we go. All right. It's great to see a, a full house uh, today. And I'm just excited for what God's going to do. So I'm quickly going to pray and then we're going to go for it. So Lord, we, we thank you <coughs> for your church, Lord, your church that you are building. Um, Father, and just think even in this time of worship, Lord, we thank you that you speak to us, that it's not up to us to muster anything up. It's only up to us to come before you and say, Lord, what do you want to do? Come and have your way in us. And so, Lord, just as I preach today, as I bring your word, really do ask, Lord, that you would come and that you would come and speak to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, um, those of you who don't know me, my name's Leonard, and just want to give you a bit of a backstory. I think this thing is quite loud and echoey, so if you can try and balance me out, that would be great. Thanks a lot. Can all of you at the back hear me? You can hear me, all right. So I want to give you a bit of a story, just a little bit of my life and ministry, uh, just how I actually got to the point or to where I am now. And I want to tell you not only the good parts, but I want to let you into a little bit of one of the bad parts um, in my walk with God. So I, I got saved in the Dutch Reformed Church as a 17-year-old young man and really fell in love with the Lord, really, uh, really came to, to salvation. There was a, a guy that walked the road with me, he baptized me, there was a group of us, we saw God doing incredible things, revival actually in our school through that. And so, 17 years old, really turning from the world, I, I always tease and say, I wasn't a half-hearted sinner, I was a, a good sinner, so I believe if you do something, you do it well, so I sinned well <laughs> when I sinned. And then when I turned to the Lord, I did it well. God doesn't like half measures, He doesn't like you one foot in, one foot out, you do it fully when you do it. And so I fully turned to the Lord when I was 17 years old. Soon after that, I really felt, for some reason, I just I had a sense that God was calling me into, into the ministry, into full-time ministry. And yes, we are all in full-time ministry to an extent. All of us need to give our lives to the service of God. But I felt God wanted you guys to pay me. That's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> I'm just joking. You pay God, God pays me. That's how it works. <laughs> But I felt God wanted me to not go into another vocation, but actually go into, into full-time ministry. And so that's what I did. I found this place called uh, TMT. The name's changing now to Leap. It's Josh Chen's Bible School in Wellington. And I, I was just a young guy, really in love with the Lord, really wanting to seek Him with my life. But I knew no one in the Western Cape. I knew nothing about TMT. The internet was not what it is today. Instagram, I don't know if Instagram was even a thing in 2009. Was it a thing? <laughs> Were most of you born then, hopefully, right? <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't a thing in 2009. I couldn't see any pictures. All I had was this old little prospectus, and I knew I was going to the Western Cape to, it, it was great, because I came from Boxburg, so I mean, the Western Cape was great. It, was, it wasn't much of a sacrifice. But it was leaving my friends, and I, it was like one of those things, I need to follow the Lord, and I want to see where the Lord takes me. And I did this, and I really fell in love with not only the Lord, but I started falling in love with his church because as a young, thank you, as a young Christian, it was only me and Jesus. I, I was in the church, but I didn't have any revelation of the beauty of the church. You can actually put the slide up, um, of the revelation of the church and what the church is. I just, I just wanted to follow Jesus with my life. And then part of this Bible school journey, slowly but surely, I started falling in love with the church of Jesus Christ. I started seeing a different side of church 
And even though, just to let you in, even though I went to study theology, my idea was never to become a pastor or duomini or a preacher. It was never the idea. I thought, I don't want to do that because all you, sit is, all you do is you sit and listen to old people's problems. And I was like, I don't want to do that. But I started seeing the beauty of the church and the beauty of leadership in the church, and my heart was actually gripped for it, and God really changed my life. I was excited about not only God, but also about the church. And then an opportunity came about where Andrew Selly, who leads Trashgen, it's a long story how this happened, but basically I had a meeting with him, and he asked, would you be, would you be keen to come onto eldership is what Trashgen calls our pastors or our leaders. I'm, I'm an elder here I'm in, in the life of Trashgen. Would you be interested in coming onto eldership and going to one of our congregations and serving there? Up until that point, I was at the Bible school, so not involved in the church directly, but at a Bible school. And I was, I think, 20, what, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 23, 24 years old. So I'm, I was dumbfounded. I thought, wow, I'm so young, but this is what I'm dreaming about. This is what I want to do. I'm excited about the Lord, excited about His church. I'm going to go serve on eldership in this in this church, I, I was really at that stage living off bare bones. I think my salary was 5,500 rand a month. It was my third year of work, but I was living it out for Jesus. I'm like, come on, I'm, I'm doing this thing for Jesus. And suddenly there's this opportunity to come onto eldership in, in this church. And I came to this church, and the story I actually want to tell you is of my first Sunday. I know this is a bit of a, a, a lengthy story, but this is where I want to get to. Came there on my first Sunday. Now, Josh Chen is, a, I love Josh Chen. I have to. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I love Josh Jane. I feel like I landed, I tell people this, honestly, out of my heart, I feel like I landed with my bum in the butter being part of Josh Jane. I didn't actually choose it. I chose the Bible school and just happened to fall into Josh Jane. And I feel like I found something so beautiful here. So please hear it in context of that. But I want to tell you that even within Josh Jane, this story took place. So came to this church in Sunningdale and... What I did not know is the eldership team there was in mess, and the leader of the church had fallen into sin. And it was really, it was really an unhealthy church, unhealthy congregation at that time. So I'm coming in, this young guy, excited for the Lord, excited for his church, happy to come and serve. And this is my first Sunday. Firstly, I was supposed to start working for the church in Feb. And then my first salary would come end of Feb. And my last salary was November. So for two, three months, I've basically got 5,500 rand <laughs> that I need to live off of. So I go to my family, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be with my family, and I'll go to the church later. One of the elders contacts me, and he says, listen, don't come in Feb. Come in January. We'll sort you out. I told the story to someone the other day. We'll sort you out. I'm like, okay, I'll come, I'll come serve my artist to serve. And I get there in January, and the first Sunday I walk in, I come into church, it's a meeting, it's a meeting like this basically, I sit at the back, I don't know anyone, and as I'm sitting there, one of the elders stands up and he starts doing something we call church discipline, which is something we find in the Bible, but it's not something you just do part of the announcements. He was just doing it part of the announcements. The lead elder was not there that day, he didn't know about the church discipline case, it was just one of the elders deciding, okay, we're going to discipline someone out of the church. <laughs> So I sit in the back row, <laughs> he starts telling of this person, it was for valid reasons, it, it was right that this person needed to undergo church discipline, if you've got questions, come speak to me, it's a biblical thing, we see it in the Bible. He was undergoing church discipline, meanwhile, this person's family is sitting in the, in the chairs, and the mom stands up and the mom starts shouting, you can't do this to my son. <laughs> 
And the elder in front says, yes, I can. Here's the Bible verses. And <laughs> there's a back and a forth. Now I'm thinking, some of you brought friends here and then the worship's a bit crazy and you think, oh, that was a bad Sunday to invite friends, you know? <laughs> that was a bad Sunday to invite friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my, this is, this is going to be a wild ride. So afterwards I go to this elder and I'm like, hey, here I am, I'm here to serve. And his eyes go big and I can see this guy forgot that I came all the way from Joburg. I came. He grabs the mic. The meeting's finished. Everyone's going out. He grabs the mic. He says, hello, everyone. We've got this young guy, Leonard, coming to serve you. Is there anyone that has accommodation for him, please? <laughs> There's an old lady. She's not part of the church. She just visits every now and then. She says, I can come stay with her. Stay with her. There's no food to eat. There's nothing. My first week of eldership, I come in there. I sit and I sort out membership forms on the floor. I do admin which I'm okay with. Like, I'm there to serve the Lord. I don't, I don't feel entitled. No one has to give me a position. I'm there to serve. And that was two years of absolute turmoil in my life. If you've ever seen the ugly underbelly of church, I felt like those two years, I saw the ugly side of church, even within in a church that strives for health. I saw the ugly side of church. And it was so difficult. I came to a place where I really started losing my faith for the church. I still love Jesus, but I just thought if this is the church, if this is what people striving for healthy church looks like, I, don't, I can't see myself being part of this. I don't know if I want to work for the church and be full-time anymore. So eventually came to a place where I really started being critical and disillusioned about the church of Christ and the local church. I felt like I, felt like I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to be part of church. Carla and I started dating. She lived in Swellendam, which was three hours away. So every waking moment I found, I would get in the car and I would drive to Swellendam just to get away from everything that I was experiencing, all the un unhealthy things in church. I want to say, if you've been ch part of church for long enough, you are going to see some parts of church that you don't like. If you are part of church, local church for long enough, you are going to get offended Someone is going to say something that you don't like, and that's not going to be godly, and it's going to hurt you. And most probably, dare I say, it'll be me. <laughs> because sometimes I do stupid things. And as the leader of the church, I get up front, and I speak a lot, and, and I make mistakes. And the more you get involved, the more you're going to see, yes, we're a church striving for health, but you are going to see areas of us, I just want to put a disclaimer out there, that is not perfect. It's not like Jesus wants it. Stop shaking your heads. <laughs> You'll see it. <laughs> and as much as I want to say that that is the truth of us and that's not the way it's supposed to be, I want to say, I want to make myself feel better and I want us to feel a little bit better. And I want to say that is always what happens with the church. If you lead the, leave the church... If you don't constantly go back to the scriptures and say, God, how are we to build church your way? How are we to do it the way that you want it to be done? If we don't constantly do that as leaders, if we don't get people to speak into our lives and are mutually accountable and don't lord it over people and think that we know the way, if you're not humble enough, it's always going to happen. The church is always going to drift away from what the Bible wants the church to be. Always. Let me say that to you. So I want to quickly take you to the New Testament. This is not scriptures that you have to put up, but I want to read you in, in the book of Revelation, 
at chapters 2 and 3, Jesus, you'll see, if you open up your Bible, chapter 2 and 3, you'll see there's red letters. Red letters means it's Jesus speaking. This is the incarnate Jesus. It's after he was resurrected. He's not on earth anymore. And so he is writing a letter, basically, to seven churches. This is seven New Testament early churches, churches that you would think these guys must be flourishing. They must be healthy. They must be like exactly what we see in the Bible of the radical Christians. This is what we're probably going to see. But even just a short time after Jesus' death, I want to go through those seven churches with you and tell you the things that Jesus said to these churches. Ephesus, you've read read the book of Ephesians. The Ephesian church. Jesus rebukes this church for losing their first love. Now imagine that. We always look at that scripture and we think, do not, do not forget your first love. Do not neglect your first love. And uh, we think that that was directed at a Christian. It was not directed at a Christian. It was directed as a church. So what we see here is a church in the New Testament that has forgotten their love for Jesus. Can someone just say that is very scary? Just say, I mean, something that I know you're hearing me. Okay. (laughs) That's scary. It's like, this is a church and Jesus says, you have forgotten your love for me. So scary that a church can get there. The church in Smyrna the, the Bible, actually, this is, there's two of the five that have a good report given to them. Only two of the five. That's not good odds for us, right? <laughs> it, it gets an encouragement for enduring persecution and poverty. But then it is also warned to remain faithful. So what Jesus is saying, you're doing well now, but just be careful that you keep doing well. Jesus is like, don't let this thing drift. The church in Pergamum, it is rebuked for tolerating false teaching. So basically, the guys preaching up front, they're teaching things that are not in line with the Word of God, not in line with the Gospel. Can you imagine? What this means is that there are churches today, this is what you must hear. If that happened in the New Testament, then there are many churches, I want to say if it's five out of seven, probably it's six out of seven churches today, that are not teaching correct theology to their people. This is scary. The church in Thyatira, Tribute for tolerating women teaching false doctrines. Again, the church in Sardis. Rebute for having a reputation of being alive, but they are actually spiritually dead. Let me stop there for a moment. When people speak about this church, it seems like they are alive. It seems like they're pumping. They've probably got the, 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 what? The smoke machine, the lights. This thing looks alive. <laughs> The preacher's slick, he gets up, it's like he does his thing, he waxes eloquent. Everything looks great, it looks alive. Jesus looks at that church, he says, you've got a reputation of looking alive, but I say, you are dead. Just stop for a moment. There are churches that have their Sunday meetings, they do everything that we do, Jesus looks at them and he says, you are dead. D-E-D, dead. Right. (laughs) You are dead. The church in Philadelphia, good, but it's a good report, but says hold fast to their faith. The church in Laodicea is rebuked for being lukewarm. And then you've heard the scripture. To the same church, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will be with them and I will commune with them. How many times in sermons do people use that for an individual? And it's true for an individual, but it was not written for an individual saying, hey, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and he wants to come in, open your heart. Let me say that scripture was never intended for an individual. That scripture was written to a church. 
Jesus is saying, you are meeting, you're doing all your things. I'm standing outside of the church. I want to come inside the church. Please open up, hear my voice and open up. That should be a really sobering thought for us when we come to the local church. We should be so careful of thinking that we are alive, but Jesus could actually call us dead. We should be careful of drifting from the values that Jesus calls us to and falling into a place where we are an unhealthy church. The last church I'll mention, the Corinthian church. You can put up 1 Corinthians 11 verse 17 for me. It says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, listen to this, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Paul says to a church, when you have your meetings, when you come together for a Sunday meeting, it is not for the better, it is for the worse. It's better that you don't meet. <laughs> it's better that you don't come together because you are doing damage. Is that scary? It's extremely scary that churches can, can get there. Then I want to take it to Nehemiah. I'm, we're doing a little series on the book of Nehemiah. And if you've read it, you'll see that Nehemiah is a picture of the kingdom of God that I think we need to come into and rebuild. Um, you can go listen to last week's message if you, if you weren't here for that. But the interesting thing about Nehemiah is that he comes to this wall, this, these broken walls, and you would think that if God calls him to a task to come to Jerusalem, to rebuild, to do something beautiful, it would be an easy task because God is on your side. But he actually comes to Jerusalem, a picture of the church, a picture of the kingdom of God, and the place is broken down because everything that we leave, that we don't give attention to, the church or the walls of, walls of Jerusalem will eventually uh, um, deteriorate. So Nehemiah 1 verse 3 to 4. This is the report he received of the walls. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the promise of Judah, to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. So here's the thing. Nehemiah gets called to go and rebuild the kingdom of God, to go rebuild the, the walls in Jerusalem. He gets there, and what he sees is not a good sight. And I want to say to us, to me, when I look at the church globally of Jesus, I want to say the church globally is sick. And this is not to be prideful. We've got our mistakes too. But if I look at the church globally, if you follow anything on the internet, you look at the teachings going about, you look at the church that is being built on business models, that is being built on advertising, that is being built on tickle your ear messages, where it's all about what people want to hear and not what God wants to say to people. The church worldwide is sick. The walls of Jerusalem are broken. But God needs men and women to come to it to face even the ugly side of church, to see the brokenness of church, and to say, I will not let that put me off, but I will be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And that's really what I want to call us to today. I think God is calling us to not only come here and say, well, give me the best thing that you can give me. Give me a great experience. But to say, no, you know what? If you're actually going to be part of this church, if you're actually going to give yourself to this church, you are going to see areas that don't look like the Bible. I want to say, big deal. <laughs> That's not difficult to find. 
What's difficult to find is people will say, I see the problems, but I'm willing to help move to the solution. You see, uh, there's a famous speech that, uh, that rallied the world. It's a guy called Martin Luther King uh, Jr. And he's, you all would have heard this. I have a, <laughs> I have a dream. Anyone heard it? <laughs> says, I have a dream. And the reason that was able to inspire so many people is I think deep down in our hearts, it's easy to see the problems in this world. But what Martin Luther King Jr. did so eloquently is he, see, he said, I see the problems, but I see what this thing should be. And if I'm able to see what this thing should be, then I can give myself towards that. And people grab onto that and levitate towards that. I think deep down in us, if you love Jesus, something in your heart says, I want to love the church. I see the ugliness of it sometimes, but I want to love it and I want to give myself to it. And so this is actually a while ago, probably two, three years ago. I sat with this and I I just looked into my heart and I said, Jesus, why is it that even though I see some of the ugly things in church, and, I, and honestly, in Joshua, I think we have a very healthy church. That church has turned a corner. It's really healthy at the moment. I don't know of any of the congregations that's in a place like that. We are thriving. Joshua is really doing well. I think it's, it's building according to the Bible. But I had to ask myself, Lord, why am I going to continue even when it's difficult? And the reason is because I have a dream. <laughs> it's Jesus' dream, but I have a dream. I wrote down some of these things. This is what I see for the church. And if I look at Stellenbosch 4 p.m. and the same with 6 p.m. that I'm still leading at this stage, if I look at the church, this is the dream that I see, and I'm going to show you that I think it's a biblical dream. I didn't look at the Bible. I just said to my heart, like, what, what is it that I want to see in 4 p.m.? What is it that we as the elders are aiming towards? Because in a sense, if you're going to be part of us and you're not just going to attend on a Sunday, this is what we're going to push for. This is what we're going to have coffees with you and disciple you over, not only the elders, but everyone who gets this is going to try and say, this is what we want to see. So it's good that you know, because maybe this is not the church for you. Maybe there's another church that's aiming for something else. This is what we're aiming for. This is what I see. I see this is my dream in a sense. A church where every single person is involved and not just attending. That really is my dream involved. I have a dream that people come together excited to worship God and will worship Him exuberantly. I never want to be part of a church where it's difficult to get people to worship the Lord. <laughs> My dream is that we come in here and because of our overflow of Jesus, we come and we worship Him, worship him exuberantly, not in the way that we want and according to our comforts, but according to the way that we learn in Scripture, giving everything for Him. I dream of people willing to lay down anything for the sake of God's kingdom. In fact, that's why I preached what I preached last week. I think Ryan is an exceptional example at the moment. It's like, yes, he's got a long way to go. Yes, he's got a lot to learn. But the thing that I love about him that I'd love to see in all of us is anything for the kingdom of God. Anything for God. That's what, I, what I'd love to see in the church. I dream of a church where people get saved and baptized regularly and live unashamedly for God. I dream of holy gossip in this community in Stellenbosch about the things that God is doing. I dream of people being set free from the bondage of the world and that the devil has placed on them and living in freedom, people coming out of deep emotional hurts. I dream of those things being set free by the power of God, not psychology. Not against psychology, but I dream of like people praying and seeing people being set free. I really dream of that. 
I dream of people living in true community with one another beyond a Sunday and a Wednesday meeting. Yeah, that we're always going to push for that. Don't just attend on a Sunday, come to community. And then once we've got in a community, we're going to say, don't just come to a community, live with these people. <laughs> Love these people. Make them your spiritual family. That's what we're always going to dream for, dream about. I dream of people discipling one another and caring for one another deeply. Not going through a little booklet and saying, check, I've done my booklet with you. No, caring, loving for each other, carrying our burdens. Dream of people looking after those in need, that when needy come among, in a, amongst us and really become part of us, that we give ourselves to see them coming to freedom as well. That's what I dream of. And that is the only reason you can come into church, see what's not right, but keep on keeping on for the glory of God. I want to say, I just actually thought about this. There's probably some of you visiting here today. Uh, some of you are here for the first time, and some of you may, have been maybe looking in for a while. You know, when you look for a church, I, I thought about this. If I can give advice to someone about looking for a church, this is the thing that I would say. Go to the leaders of the church. Don't attend on a Sunday and think, do I enjoy this? I think that's a bad question to ask. <laughs> because your enjoyment is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> Like you enjoying it does not necessarily mean God is there. It could have a reputation of being alive, but even be dead. Don't think, where are my friends going? I don't think that's a good way to choose a church. I think the best thing to do is I think it's go to go to the leaders of that church and, I, and ask them, what is your dream for this church? What are you working towards? Because if you're going to get on that train, that is what they're going to push for. And I'm telling you, this is not to be prideful, but I'm going to go through Scripture now, but I don't think that that is the vision of every church. I think there are many churches that want numbers. Numbers are great if it's devoted followers of Jesus. But we're not into numbers. We're into followers, like lay-down lovers, people who have given their everything for Jesus. That's what we're really on about. Like it's, it's not about getting this all full. It's getting this all full of people who like are going to give their lives to Jesus. That's what it's about. To go to the leaders and ask them, like, what is your vision? And if they say something like, we want to get to know the Bible better, I'm like, mm, it's a good answer. It's not good enough. <laughs> because getting your, to know your Bible can only be knowledge. It doesn't mean that you're being transformed. It doesn't tell me where we're going. Uh, go ask them that question. I think this is a biblical vision, and I'm going to go through the Scripture. And don't... I'm going to go through the scripture, one that you guys know so well, because it's as Josh and this is what we always want to go back to and say this is what we aim towards. And I want to ask you, because I want to go through it and stop and just say one or two things, don't park off in your mind because you've heard this a thousand times. If you've heard the scripture a thousand times, good, are you living it? <laughs> if you're not living it, then you should hear it another thousand times. It should be our refrain. It should be the thing that we go back to every now and then, because what we want is we want to build church like we see in the book of Acts. And so the scripture in Acts is like a snapshot of the early church. And I want to say, are we constantly aiming towards that? Is that our dream? I'll tell you a funny story. There's a guy called Rodney Kirkpatrick. He's a prophet. Um, he's really a funny guy, a great guy. He prophesies accurately. I've seen him prophesying probably to this amount of people. Him and his wife, they'll go through every single person and prophesy to every single person for hours. And he told me this story once. He went to a church, and he prophesied to the church probably of about 100 people. 
prophesied to every individual in the church, him and his wife. About a year later, they come back. Now you must understand, they've been to so many churches, they cannot remember what they said to those people. A year later, they come back, and they prophesy to the people again, and he says, like clockwork, people come to them afterwards and say, listen, I just want to say, this is a bit strange, but you prophesied exactly the same thing this year that you prophesied last year. He said to a T, all of them came back and said, you prophesied the same thing. And he felt God putting on his heart, he says, well, ask them, have they done anything about it? So this scripture, (laughs) this scripture is one that you've heard, but we need to come back to it and say, where are we missing it? Where are we stopping to drop the ball? Because if we're not doing anything about it, God is going to keep on banging this thing until we get to the place where we look like the church in the book of Acts. Let me read it to you, Acts 2, 42 to 47. I'm going to stop at certain points. This is our vision. They devoted themselves. Now stop there. I cannot devote you or make you devoted. You need to devote yourself. You know, many churches are built this way. I need to market to the best of my ability. And like marketing is fine if it's by way of reminder. And I need to, I need to constantly tell you what to do, constantly tell you, are you tithing? Are you giving yourself? Are you going to community? That does not speak of a people who are devoted. The Bible says that these early church, the church here, they devoted themselves. There's a question for you. If no one's coming to you and inviting you to community, are you still giving yourself? If no one's saying, hey, we're driving to church today, or have you decided I've devoted myself? Are you still going to church? If there's no tithe teaching, finance teaching, there's no baskets that go around, are you still giving yourself to it because you've decided that you want to give to God? If those things are not true, then you've lost your devotion to the Lord and to His people and His things. They devoted themselves. You know, I'm like really the finances, I've said this so many times, I don't like speaking about finances too much because it's manipulated all around the church so much. But one of the interesting things is the the office sends us just what's going on in our finances every month, just what's going on in each congregation so that we know. And Courtney read the scripture earlier today, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So what I love about looking at the finances, it it gives me an indication of, of where people's hearts are at. If people are giving to the church, I know that their hearts are for the church. That's how I see it. And one of the things that they send is a number of deposits, so meaning how many people have made a deposit. And that's for me more important than the amount of finances that come in. Because I want to know, are people giving? Whether it's 10 rand or 10,000 rand, I don't care. Are you giving? Because where your wallet is, that is where your heart is, actually. So I, I really, that's the first thing I look at, how many people are giving, not how much is being given. And it's so interesting Over November, December, January, the amount goes like this, and then it picks up again. Why? Because we remind. And reminder is okay, but the question is, have you decided in your heart to give? Listen, we don't need more finances. I'm not not punting. My salary is paid. I'm not asking you for more finances. That's not the point here. Please hear my heart here. I'm not trying to manipulate anyone here. The reason I tithe is because I give to God, not to people, really. I give to God. And the question is, like when no one's looking, are you still giving? When no one's asking, are you still giving? Of yourself, of your life, of your time, of your resource. 
because that speaks of devotion. That is the church that God's building. That is the vision that we have. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, yes, to the Word of God. Are you, are you in your Bible? We're speaking about the Bible. Are we valuing things like the gathering that happened yesterday where that place was packed? I don't know whoever you were there. This is not a trick question. Some of you were there. <laughs> that place was absolutely packed, and I love it. Like, I don't know of many churches where people will come on a Saturday 4 p.m. and come and worship the Lord. It was beautiful. The worship was off the hook. <laughs> it was amazing, people coming to worship God exuberantly. And that is what this is, to the apostles' teaching. And people devoted themselves to fellowship. Are you devoted not only to spending time with God in the Word and, and in prayer, but in fellowship, meaning coming together with the people of God? Are you devoted to fellowship? To the breaking of bread and of praise, remembering Jesus. Listen to this word. Everyone was filled with awe. The Greek word for everyone is everyone. <laughs> everyone. It's like there's no one. <laughs> What's the vision for church? Like, you know, you can easily say to like, ah, oh, if 60% of the people worship exuberantly, that's enough. No, the Bible's vision is everyone was filled with awe everyone. And so if I'm here on a Sunday and I look at the worship and I look at people giving themselves the vision, and I get anxious about this, I shouldn't, God is working my heart, but the vision I believe God is calling us to is that everyone will be filled with awe. Everyone will give themselves, from the weird people in the front to the guys parking off at the back. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wherever you find yourself, maybe switch it up next time a little bit. <laughs> everyone filled with awe. Um, where was I? And many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. We need to see miracles and not just counseling and good advice. Miracles. All. This is a great word. The Greek word for all is? All. <laughs> all. <laughs> all the believers were together and had everything. That word, everything. Yes, everything. <laughs> in common, meaning nothing that I have is my own. Oh, this story, I can't remember who said it, but the people in Netherlands... In the Netherlands, the church, they're apparently a really healthy church. Um, when they loan you something, there's lots of people going in for ministries, uh, ministry trips, and I've heard that when they loan you something, like let's say using their car, all of them say this. When you say, thank you for letting me use your car, all of them say this. It's like a saying in the church. What do you mean? Not my car. <laughs> what do you mean? It's not my car. It is their car, but it's God's car because they've got everything in common. That is the heart that we are to have. It's not mine. My car's not mine. Yes, I'll give you a lift. Yes, I'll go pick you up for community. Yes, I'll bring you to church. Yes, I'll buy you a coffee when all of us are having coffee and you don't have money. It's not mine. It's not mine. That's the way that we live because we are family. We're supposed to come together and live like that. Um, every day, yes, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. If twice a week is too much for you, you've lost your devotion to Jesus. And you've lost your devotion to the church. If this feels like a lot coming to church, maybe we need to just realign our hearts. These people were so in love with God. They so wanted to be together and love God together that they met together every single day. That is the vision. That we come together every day, that we see each other daily as we come together. Um, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Yes, in their homes, not just in a, in a building on a Sunday and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
The Greek word for daily is daily. <laughs> Those who are being saved. It's a bad joke, but I'm finished with it now. <laughs> daily. Imagine that. A church where daily people get saved. Now, listen, I'm not going to lie. I love it when the church grows. Because I see potential, I feel the momentum. I know that when I drive around through town, there are thousands upon thousands of people who need to know Jesus and need to find a healthy church or churches that are aiming for health. I know it. So I love it when we full house. I love it. I really do. But the best way for us to grow is not only for people coming from other churches. Now, if God moves you from another church because you see that they're not aiming for health, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think there are churches that's aiming for health and don't get offended. Stick in there. Give yourself there. If you see they're not aiming for the Bible, then speak to the, the leaders there, and maybe you need to make a shift. But I don't think the most growth needs to come from people moving from other churches. I think the biggest growth that we need to see according to this is people getting saved, people who don't know Jesus. And so when you invite, are you only inviting from other churches? Are you inviting people who don't know Jesus? Because that's the vision of the Bible. Every single day, it was added to their number, those who were being saved. That means for us, seven people a week need to get saved. <laughs> like that'll be the vision. Within the larger Joshua, we're seeing more than that. But how beautiful would it be if we actually see it here, if we give ourselves to that? So I'm going to land here and say, the more you get to know the church, the more you are going to see that the church is flawed. Church has mistakes. I'm flawed. I've got mistakes. Many of them. Come afterwards, I'll tell you. <laughs> We've got many mistakes. The question is not how many mistakes there are. The question is what is keeping us? What are we aiming for? And are we giving ourselves to that end? And I want to call you to that place, actually. I want to call you to be devoted to the church of Jesus Christ. And for many people, that sounds so blasphemous because aren't we supposed to be devoted to Jesus? I want to say, Jesus loves His church. Loving God means loving vertically and loving horizontally. The Bible says you cannot say that you have love for God if you don't have love for His people. It's what it's taught to us. So a true devotion to Jesus is a true devotion to His church. And then some of you are saying yes to His church globally. I want to say yes and no. Because it's so easy to say, yes, the church globally, I'm a part of all churches all at the same time. No, that's not how it works. A local church needs to say, to the best of our ability, we are going to live this thing out. And you need to commit yourself. You need to be devoted to a local church, to a place like this, to say, I, can I give myself here? I'm going to give myself. And so that's what I want to call you to today. I want to call you to not be critical, because that's easy. If you give me five areas where we're missing as a church, I'll give you five more. <laughs> but I want to call you to come and to say, Jesus, because I love you, I will give myself to your bride as well. And I will give myself to building healthy church with these people. That means that I need to grow, and it means that I need to help other people grow. So let's just stand as we end. Um, I think what I'd love to do is actually pray for people today. I mean, I joked about earlier just where I was in my life and the disillusionments I experienced, but I really wanted to go out of ministry. I really did not want to be part of the church anymore. 
I was moved to Stellenbosch and the elders here asked me, how can we help you transition and slot into Stellenbosch? I said, just for a while, just give me time. I just need to find Jesus and a love for his church again. <laughs> I was totally disillusioned. And I lost hope in the church. And you know, Jesus doesn't want us to be at that place. So I actually want to call you today. I want to call out two groups of people. And I'll get there now, but, but I'd like to call out people, two groups. One is church without Jesus, and the other is Jesus without church. <laughs> because I think we can miss it on both ends. Some of you say, yes, I'm following Jesus. Yes, I'm giving myself to him. But I want to call you to a place of saying, whether you've seen the bad side of church or not is irrelevant. You need to give yourself to the body of Christ. And if you've slipped there, if something of your devotion to the body of Christ has, has gone missing, you've lost it, for whatever reason, I want to call you to repentance today and say, this is the biblical vision. Won't you give yourself to it? Because I can't do it on my own. The elders, we can't do it. We need all people to do it and to be devoted. And then some of you, I believe, are maybe coming to church, but you don't know Jesus. You're sitting here, you'll give yourself to church, you'll You'll slot in, you'll do all the things that people in church do, but something in your heart is not following Jesus properly. That might be because you've backslidden, you're still going through the motions, but you, you're not in a relationship with God anymore, or you've never gotten to know him, then I'd like to give you an opportunity. So can we close our eyes? Can, I don't know if someone can jump on keys, please. Just close our eyes. Can I ask you, I've laid out those two groups now. I'm going to start with the group that says, yeah, I'm okay with Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I'm devoted to him, but I've lost my devotion for the church. I'm going to say the walls in Jerusalem are broken. <laughs> we all know that. Will you be one of those that says, I will help rebuild these walls? I will help look at God's vision and move towards God's vision. I will help the people around me. I will get there myself. I will be devoted to this thing. If you've maybe lost some of that devotion... Can I ask you where you are? Can you just raise your hand so that we can pray? Oh, actually, can I ask you, let's, let's make it clear. Can I ask you to come to the front? If you've lost some of that devotion. If church has started feeling organizational for you, <laughs> like, yes, this is a, it's like a social club that I'm part of or an organization I'm part of. That's not what it is. The Church of Christ is not that. We're going to come pray for these people in a moment. Thanks. Anyone else? This is okay. We do get there. If you feel disillusioned, okay. So maybe just grab a few. Can a few people just come stand around them to pray? We're going to pray in a moment. Just while we lay hands on them, can the rest of us, can I ask us to just close our eyes where we are? Just close your eyes. We're going to pray for you all in a moment. Just close your eyes. I want to give an opportunity here. If there's some of you that know church, but you don't know Jesus, you know there's this joke that people make that say if you grow up in a garage, it doesn't make you a car, or if you grow up in a bakery, it doesn't make you a donut. <laughs> and it really is the truth. Like the fact that you've grown up in the church or the fact that you are at the church now, it does not make you a Christian. It doesn't automatically happen. Becoming a Christian is when I realize that Jesus died on a cross for me. 
He died on a cross for my sins, and I'm coming in repentance to Him, meaning I don't want to live my old life. I come and I say, sorry, Lord, forgive me. That's how I become a Christian. And then I slot into the church. That's how we do it properly. So with all the eyes closed, just close your eyes. It's not to look around. Is there anyone here that says, yes, I'm like I'm in church, but I don't know Jesus. I've either backslid and I've fallen away, or I've never given my life to Him. Can I ask you, no one's looking around, wherever you are, if that's you, can I ask you to just be brave and raise your hand where you are? I won't ask you to come to the front, but I want to give an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, your heart's probably beating fast and you know that you have to put up your hand. Can I ask you to be brave and do that? Okay, there is someone. Some of the ladies, maybe just come pray here in the middle, please. Anyone else? You want to make right with Jesus. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to ask that those girls just pray with you. Simple prayer. Sorry, God, and please, God. (laughs) Sorry for my old life. Please give me new life. And for the rest of us, let's just quickly, let's pray for these people who are feeling disillusionment. Can I ask you at the back? Let's also pray for them. Don't disengage now. Just pray for these people. Let's take a moment.